Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 27. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And so for just a few moments this morning, I want to talk to you from a very simple subject, founded on the rock. Founded on the rock. Would you just lay your Bibles down or whatever you're using? Would you just lift your hands and help me pray? Lord Jesus, we love you, and God, we thank you for the privilege and the honor that you have bestowed upon us, God, to be in this house, to be in your divine presence, God, and in your divine purpose. We are but mere flesh, God. We can accomplish nothing through that flesh and nothing on our own. But, God, with you, all things you said in your word are possible. And so now we need that spirit, that power, that presence to rest upon this house, God, Give us your favor, Lord Jesus, and we'll praise you for it, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. I am not a builder by nature. Personally, I, I possess very, very limited, if not zero, and when I say zero, it could probably even go into the negative numbers of knowledge in construction. If you want to build a house or a barn or a lean-to or a doghouse, I'm not the one that you should come to for that. If you have questions or if you require assistance in erecting a structure, there are several men here that I can point you toward are much more qualified to answer those. It's quite amazing to me, and this is the truth, how men can purpose in their minds 
to fabricate or construct certain things, whether it be buildings or whether it be tangible objects. If you look at the wonders of the world, the skyscrapers and the pyramids and how men have purposed in their minds to put things together seemingly out of nothing. They erect structures or their ability to write or make up blueprints and then take those blueprints and put those into a finished tangible product. Now, I wasn't necessarily blessed with that gift. I'm not sure if it is a gift or if it's a talent or whatever it is, but I don't have it. I don't, I don't possess it. I can't build anything. My father can build. He's built a couple of things that were pretty impressive, but don't ask me to build anything, not anything of any tangible product. However, in my very limited knowledge of the art of building, there is something that I have come to understand. If you are going to take on any project, there are going to be some things that you are going to need. You're going to need a plan. You're going to need to have the know-how. And you are going to have to possess the right tools. And you are going to have to know how to use them. But even beyond that, if you are going to complete the project on time, and if you are going to do it correctly, you are going to have to begin the right way. You're going to have to have a foundation. And if that building is going to stand the test of time, you are going to have to build it on something that is solid and something that is sure. And so with that, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke and it simply became. He uttered his voice, and immediately his exposed thought brought into existence what he called it to be. But not only did he create the wildlife and the plant matter, the firmament and the seas, not only did he construct the hills and the valleys complete with their breathtaking landscapes, not only did he creatively paint vast overlooks that still put us in awe and beauty today, but out of chaos and out of utter darkness that was void of substance, God called out of it established order, both physically and spiritually. God brought from nothing and made it everything with its future already set. Already set already secure, complete with boundaries and with principles and with lines and with limits. However, another element would soon be introduced into those lines and in those principles. One that would take on the ability to alter to the trajectory of his own future. One that would possess the ability to step beyond the boundary to leave the principles and walk over the limits and the lines that had already been established. The man that God formed of the dust of the ground and breathed into his life the, the breath of life. He possessed God's own breath. 
yet he possessed the ability to hearken, to hear, or to turn a deaf ear. He possessed the ability to obey or to disobey. And he possessed the ability to be founded on the word of God or to do what was right in his own eyes. It was the latter decision. It was the latter that sent order and delineation and lines and limits back into utter chaos for him and even for us today. We see the result as we read into scripture not long as we see that disobedience and the result of that disobedience as it turns into sin and introduces us to such horrors as murder, bloodshed, corrupt minds, and immorality. You don't have to journey very long into Scripture until you quickly expose to God's own thought that he repented of even making man in the first place and even though thankfully we find righteousness scattered and sprinkled throughout that man and that mankind as a whole continued to make the wrong choices careening himself and this earth into utter categoric chaos yet today we understand and we know that there would be one even though that this is in categoric chaos there would be a, a one in the midst of all of that that would emerge and set everything back to where it was once intended to be there was one who introduced us to sin but thanks be to God that there would be one who would bring us back to where we should be and he would be the one which all mankind could be saved by there would be one who would not only choose the right way not only would he show us the right way but the word says that he would be the way he would be the way he would be the truth and he would be the life that every life should be founded upon he is Jesus Christ the chief cornerstone and I'm here today to ask you that is if he has sent you the truth if he has shown up in your life and if he has shown you the way you ought to lift both of your hands hands to heaven and you ought to lift your voice to heaven and you ought to give him praise. Yea, you ought to give him great praise for showing up and setting your feet on the foundation. And so the foundation, we'll talk about that for a few moments. Matthew chapter 7 is the culmination of Jesus' instruction to his disciples on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus begins to speak to them in Matthew chapter 5. And he laid the groundwork for what would be the principles one would need to build their life upon in order to succeed. You see, without these very essential foundational stones, no one, no one will be able to navigate the life that we must live upon this earth. It isn't only difficult, but it is next to impossible to accomplish anything of eternal value outside of the word and the will of God. Can I get an amen? You see, being outside of the will of God, it simply doesn't work. And I know what I'm talking about when I say that. I regretfully say it, but I have been one who has tried to live on his own merit 
and outside of the will of God. Can I tell you today that doing what is right in your own eyes will only bring destruction. It will only bring you shame and guilt. and will only take you further than you ever wanted to go away from the will of God. And so that is exactly what happened to Israel. That is exactly the life that they lived as a whole. They always struggled staying in the will and in the mind of God. And so from Matthew chapter 7, from verse 5, from chapter 5 through verse 7, Jesus teaches the people. And for the sake of time, we won't read through all of this, but we will touch on some things. He begins to speak to them. He begins to tell them the keys to having a blessed life. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness and so on. He then begins to teach them about their own personal attitudes, how to interact with the world and with each other. He expounds on weighty words about holiness and humility. He teaches them and warns them against false anger and against jealousy. And he expounds on moral purity and warns against temptation. He teaches them how to receive and how to give mercy and forgiveness and he instructs them concerning love and the taking of oaths and keeping your word he admonishes them concerning their christian giving their prayer and their fast and their fasting and he expounds on the absolute and unwavering trust and commitment that they must have to almighty god and then in chapter 7 he concludes as if the words and as if the instructions were already weighty and not weighty enough, if, as if they weren't already pressing in to everyone who was sitting and listening to every word. Jesus centers in down and drills down tighter on the absolute importance of what he has just spoke. He says that this proverbially is where the rubber meets the road. Matthew chapter 7 and 13, he said, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree, hear me, that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. And the scripture that we began with, not every one 
that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And so it's very plain to see that what Jesus is talking about here is that it isn't simply what you say you are going to do with your life, but it's actually what you do with your life. And hear me today. He's going on even further, and he's saying that it really isn't in all that you know of the Word of God, but it all hinges on what you do with the Word of God. And hear me today, everyone in this building under the sound of my voice will inevitably do something with your life. You cannot remain neutral. It is not possible and once we have been submitted and subjected to the word and to the will of God we then have a choice to make and so Jesus said not everyone that says unto me will enter in but he that does the will of my father And so it isn't what I profess only with my lips, but it matters what I have to show for it. In fact, Jesus himself didn't just talk the talk. (laughs) No, he walked the walk after he talked the talk. You see, the mentality of most here today, not here in this building, but in the world today, especially with people who are in charge of other people, is do what I say, not necessarily what I do. Do what I say, but don't do what I do. You see, the rules apply to you, but they don't apply to me. And so do as I say, not as I do. But this, this certainly wasn't the case with the Lord. And I understand that we all know this, but he spoke and then he demonstrated what he talked. In other words, Jesus said, do as I say and as I In fact, many times throughout the Gospels, his discourses are concluded with, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings. And this is just for example, but in Matthew chapter 8, and it came to pass after that he had ended these sayings that the leper was healed. In Matthew chapter 11, and it came to pass that revelation occurred with John and his disciples. And then again in Matthew chapter 19, and it came to pass multitudes followed and were healed. And so I don't believe that this has uh, no significance. I don't necessarily believe that this is just the writing style of the time and they were just trying to make it sound flourished and flowery, but I believe that this is the writing of the word of God and I believe that God is trying to show us something here. He's trying to show us that not only did Jesus just talk about doing things, but Jesus did what he said. Not only did Jesus just talk about the kingdom, but Jesus was the kingdom. And when he showed up, that's when miracles could happen. When he showed up, that's what that's what would produce what he had just got through speaking. And so as a result, do as I say and as I do, Jesus fully expected that not only would we hear, but that we would hear and that we would obey. James 1 and 22, he says, but 
be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And so the man that hears, the man or the person that chooses to apply and to do all that Jesus both began to do and to teach will be likened unto what he called a wise man. He said, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Now, this is something that we can certainly not pass lightly over. Jesus said, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings. Now, these are not just these are not just random things that God in the flesh just pulled out of the universe to say. He said, whoever, whoever hears these sayings of mine, if you look at that word sayings, it has great significance. That word sayings is translated logos of speech, a word uttered by a living voice that embodies a conception or an idea, a decree, a mandate, an order, a declaration, a weighty saying, or a maxim. You see, the root word lego is a verb, which means to lay forth or to lay out. And it is the same word that John used in the beginning of his writings when he said, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the logos. In the beginning was the laying forth of everything that God would intend to be. In the beginning was the mind and the concept of God spoken, creative, and constructive. And when it was spoken, demonstration followed. You see, the Sermon on the Mount was more than just a discourse of good ideas or an attempt at gaining followers just for the sake of getting a crowd together. What Jesus laid there was a foundation, and it was the only foundation in which every life should be founded upon. And then he gives the very apparent reason why. He said if you would hear these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. It didn't end there. And the rain descended. And the floods came. And the winds blew. And beat upon that house. And it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. But in like manner, everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And so this notion is if I don't mess with anybody, nobody will mess with me. Mentality doesn't work in this world today. 
that that whole mentality that I can stay neutral and I can just back away and nothing uh, nothing will happen. But if I engage in God, then I'm going to face the attacks of the enemy. That simply isn't true. In fact, that's just a lie from hell to keep you from doing what's right. But if you will build your life on the firm foundation of his word, then nothing can take you out. So just like Jesus, just like he faced temptation, and just like he encountered loss, and just like he came face to face with complex issues, we are also going to face struggles and difficulty and trial, and that's going to happen in the church or outside of the church. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from or what your last name is or how much money you have in the bank. The Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. You see, the rain and the wind are inevitable. They are just the course of life. And at some point, you are going, and I mean this with great deference, but at some point, you are going to be rejected. And at some point, you will be tried. And at some point, you will be lied upon and even persecuted. And you will have the opportunity to respond to life. At some point in your life, your faith is going to be tested. There's nothing that you can do about it and at some point you are going to be questioned and you might even question what you believe yourself but I'm here to tell you the foundation that you build your life on the foundation that you set your feet upon it will be tested but if you will build on the right foundation nothing nothing can take you out the building The building will stay intact if it's built on the right foundation. It may sustain a beating from time to time. From time to time, you may have to make some repairs on it. But hear me today, the building is going to stand. The building is going to stand if you will build. Jesus said on his word, you will not fall. It's already been set. It's already been guaranteed that his word has already been tested he said that if you would do this that you would be likened unto a man that built his house upon a rock hear me today hear me today that same principle applies to the church and that's why I can tell you with a surety today that that's why the church isn't going anywhere because it is built upon a rock Jesus built it on something that is unchanging and unmoving and always abounding and it will always be there and the reason is because Jesus built the church on himself he said when he came into the coast of Caesarea he told them he asked them who do men say that I am and they said that some say you're John the Baptist some say you're Elias and others Jeremiah or one of the other prophets but he said unto them who do you say that I am and Simon Peter stood up with his chest bowed out and said thou art the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus answered blessed art thou because flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you but my father has revealed this unto you and I say unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock I will 
build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Would you clap your hands to the Lord and would you thank him for that rock? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. This place is built on a solid foundation. It's built on the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's built on here, O Israel. The Lord, our God, is one Lord. It's built on repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It's built. It's built on Him. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Paul told the Ephesian church, you're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. And so this church, this church, this, this assembly here, not only the church as a whole, but this assembly here is built on the principles and a truth that will never pass away. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word, that will not pass away. The church is built on the word of God. The church is built on the logos of God. The church is built. It's God's idea. It's God's enterprise. It's God's word and it's God's way. And so storms may rage and floodwaters may rise and those strong winds may blow. But if I can fasten my life and build it on a sure foundation, on a solid foundation, I can stand with surety. So I, I got curious. I just Googled why our foundation's important. This is from a construction company, and so they're a foundation company, and they wanted to promote themselves. And so, yes, they're going to say foundations are important, but I'm here to tell you that foundations are important. The wording and their terminology in the blog that they wrote just kind of stuck with me. Question posed, why are foundations important? The strength of a building lies in its foundation. The main purpose of the foundation is to hold the secure, the structure above it and keep it upright. On the contrary, a poorly constructed foundation can be dangerous to the occupants and the neighborhood. Continue reading, I read that the foundation plays three major roles in the construction of a structure. One, the basic part is to support the load of the entire building. Two, a good and strong foundation keeps the building standing while forces of nature wreak havoc. Well-built foundations keep the occupants of the building safe during calamities such as earthquake, floods, and strong winds. And thirdly, a foundation must be built such that it keeps the ground moisture from seeping in and weakening the structure. And so Jesus understood his audience as he always did 
in that part of the world, flash floods are common. They come without warning. And they sweep away loosely tied objects in their path. Except the structures that are built on solid rock. Except the ones that are built on solid rock. He said in a parallel passage of Scripture, Luke 6, the parallel to this. He said that the man that would listen and build that house, he is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and it could not shake it for it was founded on a rock. And so Jesus understood his audience in that they knew that flash floods in the rainy season could come without warning and sweep away everything in their past. Those structures that were built on solid rock had a chance of making it. And people in those days and even now, they don't want to take any chances on building on shifty, unstable sand. The same holds true today. We build on concrete foundations. We have homes that are wind-tested and regulations govern the loads of the homes and foundations are tested and retested for a surety because we want our family, we want the occupants, we want our neighbors all around us to be safe and to have a safe place both physically and structurally and be physically and structurally sound. I question this today. Why? If we take so much time in building a a, a physical house for our family and everyone around us to be safe and secure, why would we not take as much care in building a spiritual house so that they could be safe and secure and so if I build my house on shifting sand the first rain that comes along is going to wipe me out and I'm going to be out of commission but if I will build my house on the solid bedrock of God's word hear me today that's when my family has a chance to make it if I'll build my life on the surety of his word my children have a chance hear me today that's why I'm standing here in this pulpit this morning and I don't take it for granted that somebody built their life on a solid and sure foundation if I'll build if I'll just build on the, on the promise of God and on His Word, the people around me can have a chance of making it because I'm going to be standing sure. And when those storms rage and when those winds blow, they're going to need somebody to come to. They're going to need a safe place that they can come to. And if I'm built on the rock of the Word of God, they can make it too. And so I want to ask myself and you this morning, Very, very important questions. Is my life built on the same principles and precepts of the Word of God? Or is it built on something that is forever changing and ever evolving? You see, the world around us changes and evolves with its thinking as the dawn of every new day. Concepts are constantly being reimagined Because the blind are literally bleeding the blind. And when one falls in the ditch, others quickly follow. 
But what we must do is build on the things that were founded on Jesus Christ himself. The rudiments of this world and the thinking and the traditions of men are literal sinking sand. And Jesus said, if you won't build on my word and you go searching after those things, it's the same as building your own physical house on something that won't be here tomorrow. And when that foundation is tested, it doesn't have a choice. It's going to fall because there's nothing underneath it. He said that not only would the fall be a fall, but it would be a great fall. And so that's why it matters what you build your life on. That's why it matters where you set your feet. Because if something takes you out, you have the potential of taking others out around you. And so I say today, build your life on something solid and something sure so that you can be a pillar that God has called us to be. Now, I know that this applies to everyone. It applies to me. But I'm thankful this morning that we're all together. Because for some reason yesterday, God just began to deal with me about young people. He just began to deal with me, and I don't know why, but he just began to deal with me about speaking to young people today. And so I'm reaching for everybody. But right now, I want to reach for a young person. I want to reach for you and tell you that you don't have to wait until you get into your 20s or into your 30s or your 40s to start building your life on the Word of God. You don't have to wait until calamity strikes your life to try and recapture lost years that you have spent chasing after emptiness in the world. God's mercy extends from generation to generation and His loving kindness and the love of God is always reaching. But hear me today, that doesn't mean that you have to gamble your future and say, well, I'll just walk away for a little bit and then I'll come back and God will be waiting for me when I do. Hear me today. That wasn't my mindset, but for some reason I just drifted off and I just drifted off into the world and I thought I could do it on my own. But hear me, God, He he took me back with loving arms. He took me back in with loving arms. But I am the exception. I am not the rule. It is not guaranteed that if you'll build your life on sinking sand, that it's going to hold you when the calamity strikes. There's no guarantee that the winds won't blow and the rains won't flood and wash everything out from underneath you. And so I tell you today, I tell you today, start now. Build your life on something secure right now don't wait don't wait until tomorrow start today hear me you can build your life and you can set your hopes on the everlasting and unchanging word of God and you can endure every trial every circumstance and every life obstacle with absolute success because you'll have a sure foundation under you hear me young person don't be foolish but be wise get some folks around you that are building their lives on the word as well. Get involved with some people that have some calluses on their knuckles and some bruises on their hands from where they've been pounding and where they've been building and where they've been working. Get around some people that have proven that it can be done. Get some elders around you. Seek out those who can mentor you and seek out those who will build you up in the Lord and by all means get along with God and get along with his word and with his spirit and fall in love with
with this truth and fall in love with God Almighty. Can we lift our hands right now and can we just love the Lord for a moment? Hallelujah. Come on, young person. Don't shut me out right now. But let the Lord deal in your heart right now. Let him put something on the inside of you. Let him, let him just give birth to something on the inside of you right now. Fall in love with his word. Build your life on his word. Build your life on his principles and his precepts. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And so I'm closing if our musicians will get ready. And I'm closing quickly. So some facts, some questions remain. It is a fact. You will build a house. You will build your life on something. But the question is, where will it be fastened? Will it be fastened on the solidity and unmoving Word of God? Or will it be loosely tied to the ever-changing, evolving tides of human wisdom? You see, it really matters where you place your hope and where you place your trust. It really matters what you listen to and what you allow into your life. It really matters the advice that you listen to and the counsel that you act upon. It really matters where you build your life. Stand with me this morning. And so I started with this. I'll end that way. I don't have any real-world knowledge of physically building a tangible structure. But I've got some experience building spiritual structures. I might not be able to read a tape measure and tell you where to cut and where to put but I can tell you what will build your life in order that it will never, ever fall. You build your life on prayer. You build your life on an unwavering trust in God. You build your life on His Word, and you fall in love with Him. And you can build on a foundation that is guaranteed to be there to the end of time and so here's a great truth about building spiritual houses if you've been building on the wrong foundation you can begin a new building <laughs> and you can start over right now we do that by repenting of our sins Repenting of all the things that we have done. And that word, repentance, literally means to tear down the house. Tear down that structure to where there's nothing to return to. And begin building your life 
on the everlasting word of God. Let's lift our hands right now. Let's lift our voices right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.